Last Word is committed to raising $10,000 for C7 Gateway Scholarship Fund. And since January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, we are asking you to help us reach that goal together as a community of people against human trafficking. Go to lastwordbysl.com and click on the donate button to help us reach this goal. Last Word is a lifestyle brand focused on all things anti-human trafficking. According to the International Labor Organization, over 260 million children are forced into employment around the world. Making textiles and garments for the demands of fashion trends we see all on social media. This will often come at the price of a child being forced into labor trafficking. Our ambition at Last Word is to reduce the exposure of those who are trafficked around the world, starting with the garment industry. Last Word offers consumers a refreshed look at recycled, repurposed, and reloved fashion trends. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that fashion has a way of circling back around, and not always in the best way. Last Word takes all those unwanted and undesired garments, giving them a little TLC or repurpose to create a divine collection you will feel confident, amazing, and inspired in when wearing. Follow Last Word on Instagram at lastword underscore by SL and visit us online at lastwordbysl.com to get your latest fashion trends everyone will be sure to ask you about. Human trafficking true crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Using drugs and addiction to force a person into human trafficking is just one practice human traffickers use to exploit individuals. Research shows this type of trafficking is on the rise as the drug epidemic and homeless population just increases here in the United States and around the world. It's a method that was used by one trafficker out of Florida. After being arrested and later convicted on five counts of sex trafficking, how he compelled his victims to engage in the illicit sex trade was brought to light and the lessons that we can take away from his crimes are so valuable to fighting and ending human trafficking. Tonight, we give the survivors of Andrew Blaine Fields the last word. Megan, happy new year. Happy new year. We made it to a new year. We did. 2023. 2023. Still feel like I'm in 2020 sometimes. Oh yeah. It's just a blur. Honestly, I wish we could just skip 2019, 2023. Yeah, here we go. So obviously you guys are here. We're here. That makes this human trafficking true crime. We're here for another episode. We are your hosts. Season two. Season two. It's wild. <laughs> we so made it. wild. We made it. 
Did you think we'd actually be here for a second season? Uh, no. Me either. But we did it. We did it. And we've got a lot of people backing us. Yeah. We've got a lot of support. You a know? lot of support. The last, the end of last year, yeah, we got a lot of support. And we're driving forward for this year. It's going to yeah. be. And we've got some good stuff lined up. So I'm, I'm excited. We do. And we've got some events that we're going to be doing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I think we're just starting. And if people are already pissed at us, well, get ready because it's coming. So before we begin our episode, I'm going to go off on my little tangent now. Okay. I don't really want to go off on a tangent. I do want to say a few things. I want to set the record straight, right? I want to be transparent about what my goals are for this show. I want you to be transparent. And if you feel like you need to be transparent about something, I want to say that I, I'm speaking for me personally, but I'm going to go out on a branch and say that I'm speaking for you in a direct dotted line as well. (laughs) But I'm an ordinary yet freaking extraordinary person. And I am courageous. I am independent. I do all these things because my heart tells me to do it. I don't claim to be, nor have I ever claimed to be an expert on anything. Mm Mm-hmm. I just know a lot about human trafficking. I volunteer a lot in this. I've been in this space for a lot of a lot of years now. And this podcast and this platform is just a way for me to talk about the crimes that I have seen. And I want to first and foremost say that if I have ever made a survivor or a victim of this crime feel like we were being disrespectful to them. I will apologize for that because that has never, ever been any intention of right, us. Right, no, we definitely do not go out on just to try to hurt them. No. At all. And I understand there are some comments made about our, you know, lack of empathy or our giggling and our laughing, but here's the deal. When you are in this day in and day out, and this is all you read and all you see and all you hear about and your life is focused around this, sometimes making fun of people like Dice Capone or whoever, you know what? If that little thing makes me laugh and gets us through the episode, like, fine. If there's something about a case that I'm going to poke fun at because it's stupid, then I'm going to poke fun at it. You don't like it? Take rocks, go somewhere else. I just, uh, yeah, we are, you know, we're also emotional when we need to be too. But at the end of the day, if something is funny or we find humor in it, we're also here to start a dialogue and talk with people and talk and have a conversation with each other. And we're human beings. It's natural to feel different kinds of feelings for different people. Right. And we are going to screw up. We are, we are not perfect. Mm -hmm. I will never claim to be perfect. And I am notorious for putting my foot in my mouth. Sometimes I'm aware of that. And I will own up when I am wrong. I will own up and I will apologize for that. But I just want our listeners to know I'm not going to make a habit of apologizing for the things that I say on our platform. These are my thoughts, our thoughts and opinions. Mm -hmm. We aren't, you know, claiming to be the know-all, end-all, be-all. So if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Very well put. Yeah. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. But I know you had a couple crazy stories you wanted to talk about before we get too far into this case. Uh, What do you want to tell everyone about? Everyone that's alive today at the time that we are recording this podcast, knows that something major happened this morning. 
Well, except Shannon, apparently. <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about when you told All me All the this. flights in the United States just decided not to happen. Just entire grounding. It's so wild. Yeah. You're telling me this and I'm yeah. honestly like, I think you might be mistaken. No, I'm not even kidding you. Literally. Yeah. From four to eight, flights were a no-go due to a system failure across the United States. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what comes out of that. But that was my first crazy thing that we live in a time where this is the second time this has happened since 9-11. So that's wild to me. Food for thought for everybody. If you want to comment or like or discuss. Yeah, definitely comment what your thoughts are on that. I mean, the rabbit holes for that could be endless. Yeah. Could be legitimately could be a system issue. Yeah. Could be counterterrorism. It could be a million different things. There's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are running with this theory. Oh, I'm sure. I doubt it. (laughs) Those woke conspiracies. (laughs) I'm kidding. I don't know. Uh, what was the other story you were going to talk about? Idaho murders. Oh, yes. That's taking yes. over everything. Oh my gosh. So I know that that is not, that is not human trafficking related, but anyone who knows and mm-hmm. listens to the show from the beginning knows we're big true crime freaks. Yeah. I had several friends over the holidays like, are you going to cover this case? And I'm like, it's not no. related to human trafficking. No, but it we can is. discuss it. Yeah, I will totally talk about it and the whole case is wild they have so many questions me too and there's so much false misinformation coming oh, yes. out right now yes it's like kind of hard not to believe some of them the one thing that really shocked me is that the btk connection oh i don't know this if is new i've not heard no that. i've kind of Which been I underground don't... working on projects so no i haven't really kept up with the latest in the last couple of weeks the last i heard yeah. the guy got arrested that's really the last i've heard oh. well so this might be misinformation because you know i did only read just like one article on it but the guy that they're claiming did it he is a criminology like studies it in college oh lovely and his professor that he works under uh wrote the biography about btk i'm pretty sure huh so they think that there may be a connection of him having correspondence with btk oh yes i feel like that's kind of reaching that would be interesting i mean that'll come out in court for sure i mean i get apparently someone came out and said it but anyways i do know that i read that his cell phone was turned off during the time that they're suspecting that these crimes happened um and then a lot of people are attacking the dad right now for his involvement if he was involved if he knew yeah um there's a lot with that case there's a lot I mean I don't I know I know I've referred him to you I don't know if you listen to true crime garage but like true Mm -hmm. crime garage just covered it on their so they have the True Crime Garage, but then they have this other podcast called Off the Record. And I honestly think they've talked about it on both. But yeah. they get they're pretty well connected. So like they get a lot of information yeah. and leads. It'll be and- super interesting to see what comes from all of it. But yeah. major news. They caught him. It was fast. Really good police work. Well, we hope it's so. him. He is innocent until proven guilty well, in a court true. of law in the United States of America until China takes over. Camp. <laughs> oh my god. 
Okay, so we're moving on for tonight's episode. 62-year-old Andrew Blaine Fields out of Florida was sentenced on Wednesday, January 29th, 2014 by a U.S. District Court Judge Susan C. Buckley. He is ordered to serve 33 years and nine months of prison, followed by just five years of supervised release. Well, he's not going to make it that long, so... Well, hope he's sixty two. He is sixty two. <laughs> Thirty three would, yeah. He's probably not going to make it statistically speaking, but I we'll get into all of that okay, later because okay. I've got some questions on the whole sentencing thing. But he was convicted by a jury of his peers in on the previous November, uh, November of twenty thirteen, on five counts of sex trafficking and three counts of narcotics possession with the intent to distribute. Now, Judge Buckley, speaking to Fields in the courtroom at sentencing, told him, that's exactly what you are. You were a predator. You are a 60-year-old man preying on those young women because they were just that. They were vulnerable. Wow. I love when judges just like... They get that last quote in. Get that, yeah. That's why I should have been last word. I should have been a judge, (laughs) like have last word. No. What's that? The gavel? gavel? Like, yeah. Tap that. Gavel. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, I, we were just talking, right, about the sentencing. I don't fully understand the sentencing because a Tampa Bay Times article reported that they said he got the longest term suggested in the guidelines. However, through my research and through an article um, I read that was put out by the Department of Justice when Fields was convicted, not sentenced, but convicted, they put on that article, that press release, that he faces a mandatory minimum of 15 years in prison and a statutory maximum of life in prison on each of the five sex trafficking convictions. I obviously don't understand huh. it, but to me, that means that he should he could have potentially gotten life five times over. Right. So your 33-year bullshit is like, yeah, he's 60 something, but no. Give it give, give him, him the give him what he's doing. Because this just, I wonder if it has to do with legal jargon terminology. Probably. And I'm sure our lawyer listeners will chime in and have <laughs> something to correct me on because I don't know, but I would like to know. I mean, it doesn't I guess, too, like as a judge, you have to figure out what you're going to sentence a person at. But if he's already 60-something, this case, as we go on, you'll see, has been a precedent in convictions for using drugs as the means of why someone was, yeah, human trafficked. And so I'm like, if you're already going to be able to set that precedent, why just not nail that hammer, like nail it in with the hammer? Just give him life. He's clearly not going to get out. Right. I don't know. It's weird to me. But so the defense, their argument throughout this entire case for a lesser sentence was because the victims were already using drugs and prostituting before they met. Well, of course. Yeah. Why? Let's blame the woman, right? Right. (laughs) Sad. It's just further... There's so many articles I read on this that kind of had to like take a step back because I'm like their verbiage and the way that they're, 
I don't think that they intentionally meant ill will, but the way that the article was conveyed just kind of was like almost placing blame back on the mm -hmm. victim. And I, again, would like to think that people aren't intentionally doing that. They just don't know any better. And they don't know any better, but it just kind of was like, what the yeah. heck? Who approved this article? So five survivors of fields would go on to testify in court against him basically sealing sealing his fate sealing the deal sealing the deal and these brave brave women had to recount all their feelings you know the fear yeah the anxiety the withdrawal symptoms all of the coercion everything they experienced they had to relive at while the he was sitting in front of them right and they had to convey this to everyone. Mm -hmm. Incredibly brave. Yes. Incredibly brave. So these survivors told jurors about their enormous fear of withdrawal sickness and how fields would manipulate those fears through coercion and basically co coercing them to perform sex acts in exchange for drugs to ease the withdrawal or promising them with more drugs if right. they... Hey, if you do this, here's your reward. I can end your pain and suffering. Right. So it's basically he's giving them enough drugs to perform the sex acts or he's promising the drugs after the sex acts mm -hmm. are done. It's power. It's complete power. And the evidence that they had at trial against this guy showed... He actively identified vulnerable young women that were already either using drugs or were prostituting or were working in the strip clubs. And he would use his ruse was online advertisement for driving like a oh, driver God. or a protection detail person. And so these girls respond or however he gets them whether it's through the ad or he meets them out and about and then he starts providing them with drugs like oxycodone de, what was it dilaudid dilaudid morphine and like a bunch of other highly addictive drugs yeah. there were quite a few that they listed and what fields did was he would rapidly like increase the dosage that he was giving these victims and there were some victims at like trial that in their testimony gave that they either initially didn't use drugs at all when they met fields or that was one case one case the person had never even used drugs until she met him like wow. not that kind of drugs like wasn't addicted. And then there were several other of the victims testified that they had only occasionally used drugs and weren't necessarily like wow. addicted to them. But that over time, after meeting Fields, they just basically their drug, their, their, it became a full blown addiction. It escalated yeah. into a full blown addiction because he started increasing the dosage. Then that meant their withdrawal symptoms were increasing more rapid rapidly right when you're right, coming he was having them build up a resistance to, to it too yeah it is super insane to me because court records like in this case revealed that one of well not one some of 
Fields victims required up to 15 pills a day. Oh my just God. Just to wave off any withdrawal symptoms. 15 Jesus. pills a day. Oh no. I think I've only taken a half a hydrocodone ever. I don't think I've ever even taken a full. I don't think I could do it. I don't think so either. I felt so much in a head, head fog. Like I was a zombie. I was literally a zombie. 15 pills a day. That's, yeah, that's insane. One of these ladies. How are they still alive? I'm, I'm like, not to be like crass, but that that's a lot. For your system. I mean, it's like any other addiction, right? You build up. Like, look at people when you see how much they can drink and you're like, how, how, whoa, like, how is that even possible? That's true. You build up this tolerance. It's an, it's an addiction. You start building up a tolerance. So in order for you to get that high, you have to double or triple or, but 15 pills a day, like, and the long-term use of that stuff, like, people don't realize how so much bad. that really messes with you. Look at Ozzy Osbourne. No offense. Oh, God, here we go again. Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that one where he's like, Sharon, where's my gun? <laughs> Sharon, I can see the light. <laughs> Oh, man. So these ladies, like I said, 15 pills a day, they'd start experiencing these symptoms. And he would either deny the drugs from the woman until she completed the sex act. Jeez. Or he and that that's the other thing is he was either forcing them to complete a sex act on clients that he was booking or on him himself to pay oh. off their debt. Right. Yeah. Gross. We had to kind of assume that he was going to do that. But anyways, yes. Yeah, so he would promise these, like there, he did several different methods with these women. He would either like promise them, the, give them a little bit of a drug before, tell them they got to do this act. And then they, you know, I'll give you the rest of it after. Or if they weren't that far gone, you know, and they weren't in the super far withdrawal stage, He'd be like, I'll give you another pill once you complete the act with this client. And then that's how he would coerce them. Jeez. It's disgusting. Instead of paying them, I'm assuming, he would just be like, no, your payment is drugs. So more evidence that came forth at trial showed that Fields acquired all of these drugs at an extremely low cost and charged these victims an inflated price. And then he, that's just riddling them, right, with more debt. And then he housing them, providing food. And so he would basically tell these women that they could pay off their debt by providing him with whatever. Disgusting. Facts he. That is so disgusting. It really is. People are disgusting. This world is effing disgusting. And you want to get mad because I say <laughs> bad it, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This dude has clearly had some issues. Screw loose. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, have you, and I don't want to go off too much on a tangent, but have you ever heard, and no, I feel like we've talked about this before, like the nature versus nurture. Yeah. And I totally think that it can be both. 
Because be in a little some both, yeah. cases, you're like, that child was just not loved enough as a baby. Yeah. Right? Like, you're just like, that kid needed to be loved. Sorry, you went a little British on me there. Know, never heard was not loved as a baby. <laughs> Anyways. Danny McPhee, is that you? <laughs> Scrumdiddlyumptious or a spoonful of sugar <laughs> no. makes the medicine go down. I think it's how they say it. Anyways, no, I think in some cases you have nature versus nurture where I think that it can be a little bit of both, right? Yeah. I think some cases a person definitely, their circumstances, their life, they were dropped as a baby. I don't know. Like it was definitely their yeah. circumstances. But then sometimes I think it is a brain thing and they're just born that way. So I kind of wonder about this Fields guy. Apparently a lot of serial killers have head injuries from early childhood. Mm -hmm. But I then they that. also have really bad family lives. So And they also like don't like yeah. puppies and I don't know who doesn't like yeah. puppies. Like, Anyways, but yeah, nature versus nurture, I do agree. I think it can be both. Yeah. I, this guy's an interesting one for me. Blackall Photography, located in the heart of Old Town Louisville, is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience. Kelly Blackall, the owner of Blackall Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Blackall Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Blackall Photography on Instagram. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-L-L Photography or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Evidence seized from Fields' home during a search warrant included prescription pills, notebooks, in which he recorded all of his victims' debts, uh. the advertisements that he did for them for their prostitution, cash, condoms and books about pimping and prescription drugs do we give him credit for having condoms <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i have so many books about books about pimping and prescription is drugs. it like i'm sorry but is it like the dummies guide to how to pimp like what what people write books about that dummy 101 for pimping <laughs> honestly it could be a book about well, anything like think about if someone just did like a, a scholar, like a book on an educational book on what pimping is actually like. And it's not meant to like glorify. But, then but a like pimp a could read book. that and yeah. learn. And condoms. All I'm saying is like, do we give him credit no. where credit is due in the fact that he had condoms, which could imply that he's practicing safe sex? No. Not at all. <laughs> no. I and you're <laughs> shut down. No points for you. I give Andrew no Blainfield, zero. <laughs> that British accent's really freaking me out right now. You never heard me do a British accent before? No. Oh, I used to like go through this whole phase where like in college when we'd go out, I'd pretend to be British. 
No. Yeah. My British just gets Southern, so I just don't do it. Oh, British is about <laughs> it. Whenever we're going off on another tangent, but one of my first jobs out of college, I had quite a few. We had a European office and I had a lot of friends in Europe and I would beg them to help me critique my British accent like on the words I was saying make sure it sounded (laughs) legit because I was like well what if I'm out and someone is like oh where are you from and I say something but the accent doesn't fit because they know they're big on these accents but they told me I would be able to fool Americans but nobody else no I don't think you would fool me you know me so who's this bitch fake accent (laughs) so we will not give him credit for the condoms no he we're also not going to give him credit for this either this dude had over well i don't know i've seen it reported as low as four thousand, but i've also seen on like the department of justice website that he had over nine thousand pills when they searched his home nine thousand prescription pills yeah I'm also wondering if he might have been on some. Oh, he had to have been. Yeah. But I doubt that he was on a level of addiction like those women. No, no, no. I'm sure he got them from his own doctor to use on the girls. No way. You think? No, like like he was going to a doctor. For for, himself. Yeah, like he was. Agreed. He had something that he needed them for. Sure, I'm sure but that he, he was in a way. A Maybe we could say that. We don't know what this dude was know, doing. Theoretically. I, I doubt he had a job with insurance, though. And I doubt he probably pays for Obamacare either. So he Okay, probably, that's fair, too. He probably is peddling that. these drugs off the street. But he very well could be going to a clinic and getting drugs. I don't, like, there was very little to find out about this guy on the back end of what his life was like before this. So... I have no idea if he had insurance where he was at. It is extremely possible that he could have been getting a portion of those pills from a doctor for a quote unquote legitimate reason. Do I think that he was walking out of his family care physician with 9,000 pills? No. 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 But it could be. 9,000 pills. Four to 9,000. That's a lot. Well, and the Department of Justice said nine. So I'm going with them. The article, there was several articles that said four. And then there are several articles I read through the Department of Justice, but one of them mentioned 9,000. Holy Jesus. Over 9,000. Now get this. During trial, they presented a surveillance video, CCT footage, whatever the hell you want to call it, of Andrew Blaine Fields entering a hospital room that one of these women was in in the middle of the night and delivers her drugs. No. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. While she's in the hospital. She is in the hospital. I don't know what for. didn't say, but she's in the hospital. This chode shows up in the middle of the night and delivers her drugs. My God. And at trial, this victim testified that Fields came into the hospital and gave her Deliatit. Delauded. Delauded. Gave her delauded pills and a syringe to inject the drug. In broad hospital life light. I know you can't say broad daylight because it was the middle of the night, but hospital never sleep. So yeah, like there's... Yeah. Yeah. And if she was there for a drug overdose... Which I would probably go out on a and say, yeah. Then... Wouldn't she have like 24 hour surveillance on her? 
Well, the sad thing is, is I don't, I think it was the same victim. It could be a different victim, but it, in any case, a victim of Fields, he would threaten to have her probation rejected. And he ended up having her, this probation. I think it was the girl in the hospital. I think this is all the same girl, but she ended up having her probation violated at the, because of him and his, his like forcing of the drugs and the prostitution. <sighs> she ended up violating her probation because of it. And then upon immediate release, he gives her Jesus. well and the article also said that he would visit her in jail and was trying to actively get her to recruit other girls to be a part of his little ring and then the minute she got out of jail what's he do jacks her up on drugs and now she's back she's to being back. addicted and and at yeah his and control. i'm sure he also said too, remember the debt you owe me oh completely it's sad that this is a very big issue with human trafficking and it doesn't really get talked about, I think, as much as we talk about human trafficking in the sense of a child being abducted, sex slavery. Like, yes, those are all active ways that human trafficking happens, but this is a very real, mm -hmm. very serious way that traffickers employ people and coerce and use force fraud and coercion to get them to do um whatever it is they're bidding they yeah so i mean i don't even want to just say sex because it, it's not just sex trafficking it's it, it the same could be said for anything forced criminal activity is not technically legally by the, the federal standards of the u.s a form of human trafficking but it is a form of human trafficking that is recognized by nonprofits and uh, private sectors around the world it is recognized as the united nations so like the, that is another way that you can use drugs to coerce someone into human trafficking it doesn't necessarily have to be sex you get someone addicted to drugs yeah. and then you're like hey buddy go rob this bank yeah. go Perform commit this, this job for me go yeah so it doesn't necessarily have to be the sex avenue and there are so many studies that have looked at this and one being the Polaris Project, right? So that's a major player in the game of being active and out there with all things anti-human trafficking. The Polaris Project runs the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is the largest data set of information and data in North America on human trafficking. So it's a, it's a pillar that we use, right? Well, the Human Trafficking Institute put out a report called Addicted to You, Drug Addiction as a Means of Coercion. This article is by Emma Eastwood. I'm not even going to pretend to say her last name, but Miss Emma Eastwood wrote in here, you know, that the Players Project reported that about 15% of human trafficking survivors surveyed in 2014, 2014, this was a while ago, disclosed a substance abuse issue. And that in 2017, the federal human trafficking report uh, that came out showed that substance abuse issues had is now in one-third of active criminal sex trafficking cases, over three wow. times more than traffickers exploiting a romantic relationship. So the point is, this is on the rise. This right. is a huge issue with the drug epidemic. The, the opioid crisis, yeah. Mm -hmm. And another study, you know, came out and said that 
They suggest that it could be even higher with close to 84% of sex trafficking survivors reporting that they have substance abuse issues during their victimization. 25% reported heroin use specifically. Jeez. And I don't know if people, you know, if you're not, you don't know what you don't know. I am not unfamiliar to substance abuse issues. Not necessarily personally, but I have had a lot of experience in my life with this on a Mm. lot of different spectrums with a lot of different people in my life. So you don't know what you don't know, but heroin, first of all, any addiction is really hard to overcome and hard to pull back from. You've you've got to fight. You got to keep fighting. You have to have a good support system. I mean, it's not as easy as just saying, don't do drugs anymore. It's a whole basket of other things. When you throw in heroin and 25% of those people... Shit's rough. Of those 25, I'd be interested to know how many actually don't come back. Right. Because a lot don't. It's so sad. That's, yeah. That's some rough shit. Sad. So I'm going to go on to say that the Tampa Bay Times wasn't super thrilled with all of their reporting on this. They did cover some good stuff and they um, talked about one of the survivors who made a statement and she is quoted of saying that he, she thought he loved her, that she thought he was going to help her get off the streets. Instead, he got me addicted to Roxycodone, Xanax, Methadone, and Somis, which were all bought illegal. And she goes on to say that they were bought and that they were used in the purpose of addicting me and controlling me, which is so true. Wow. Yeah. And she is the one that went on to say that she wasn't even addicted to drugs when she met him, that he got her addicted to all of this, and that basically once she started experiencing those withdrawal symptoms, boom, started forcing her to perform sexual acts in exchange for more drugs, took wow. the money, these are some badass women. Yeah. It's sad, though, because at the end, one statement came from a survivor that said that she looked at Fields as a father figure, oh. while another said that she still had love for him and wondered if it was bad to want his forgiveness for testifying against him. Oh, my God. When I read that, my heart just kind of like sank because this is so real. That is so real life that's how a lot of these survivors can feel when they come out of the situation they have love they have care it's trauma bonding it's all it's it's a whole basket of things but i will say one of the survivors came out and said and she's quoted of saying that i care about you girls you're beautiful you're strong and you shouldn't be ashamed Mm -hmm. and she was urging them you know to move forward and move past yeah this and onward yeah and like good on them for being able to overcome that in such a short amount of time be able to stand up on a stand and testify i mean i i'm not sure how much time was in between when he was sentenced this all was actually pretty fast this wasn't like a jason gandy case there's no way they had time to cope or start getting help for that or you would did. hope that 
that is when you hope that local law enforcement and these organizations that are fighting and trying to criminalize yeah. this man are connected with the organizations that we're a part of, like the C7 Human Trafficking Coalition, because those right. are the groups of of all the nonprofits of, that work to fight this. So if they are like, hey, we may not know exactly who, but we know people that will know who to put you in touch with that will provide you with the aftercare and the treatment and the the therapy that you need. Because that's really what it is. A lot of people don't realize like that's, you can get them out of this. It's it's the after. And it's the mental aspect of it. You can yeah. rescue people all day long, but if we don't address and focus on the mental aspect of it mm -hmm. they will just go back into no it revert. it's the same with drugs it is literally the same thing with drug addiction you have to address the mental aspect there is a reason that the person is go off on tangents i don't yeah so the case of andrew blaine fields has made a pretty big impact on prosecuting human trafficking cases in the united states this case his trial it has been referred to in numerous case studies that I have read, different articles. That's actually, I came across this case researching another case last year um, because they referenced how they were able to convict him on this coercion charge of drugs um, and how precedent that was not something that's, you know. Well, it's good to see them making strides. It is. Now, it is. And even the Department of Homeland Security Special Agent Bill Williger said that this kind of case has been brought forth before. And this is the first sentencing where drugs were substantiated as a sole means of coercion. It sets a precedent. So now we can bring cases forward where we don't need to prove violence. It's just another tool we have now to prosecute these cases. And that's Good. totally accurate. Yeah. Because it isn't just violence. It's force, fraud, or coercion. You do not have to have violence in order to do those. No, that's incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, but like I just, like I said, it's good to see positive action happening. It does. It's good to see that. I mean, I hate that this had to happen, but I like that we can take this horrible situation mm -hmm. and what can law enforcement agencies, what can prosecutors, what can local nonprofits do to learn from this case? What did these victims struggle with when they came out of this? And how can we better help move the needle forward in making sure that we don't do these types of things, that we can offer the type of therapy and resources needed to make sure that these survivors don't end up back in the streets and then they end up becoming productive members of society because that yes. isn't that what we really want at the end of the day yeah we want them to be ha happy healthy and whole and exactly. hopefully able to move on from their trauma exactly and we have to be able to provide that for them so I will say kudos to the people that fought this case. The Fields, this case of Andrew Blaine Fields was investigated by the U.S. Immigrations and Custom Forces, so ICE basically, Homeland Security, the Clearwater Police Department in Florida, and they also had assistance from the Clearwater Area Human Trafficking Task Force. The assistant U.S. attorney, Josephine Thomas, and trial attorney, William Nolan, of the Civil Rights Division of Human Trafficking Prosecutions Unit are the ones that prosecuted this case. 
And Mr. Loser Douche Canoe Andrew Blaine Fields yeah. is sitting in a federal prison in Estelle, South Carolina. Good. Where he will be until he most likely takes his last takes the bucket. Takes his last breath. And you find citizens of America, we are paying for three hots and a cot for this man. Yeah, I hope he's he's having a shit time in there. That's all I gotta say. I do too, but unfortunately, I mean, I feel like prison justice really only happens when it's the children, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, it depends. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Well, that's really all we got on this case. I just wanted to really hone in on the ways that traffickers can use drug addiction as a means of coercion to... Yeah, give everybody a different light into what that means. Exploit their victims, yeah. Any other final thoughts, Megan, before we... I do not, no. Move on? No. All right. You want to take away our weekly spotlights? Weekly spotlights. All right. First, we have Brent Talley, who was 67 years old when he was last seen on November 22, 2016, in Montgomery, Alabama. Brent is described as a black male, bald, and brown-eyed. Brent suffers from dementia, and it is believed that he may still be in the area and appear homeless. Brent Talley was last seen by his family in the 300 block of Kingswood Drive on Tuesday, November 22, 2016, at 9 o'clock in the morning. He was wearing a long-sleeved brown plaid shirt, khaki cargo pants, gray sneakers, and a red baseball cap. Anyone with information is asked to call the Montgomery Police Department at 334-241-2651. Next, we have Florence O., who was 33 years old. She was a mother when she was last seen on August 31, 2020 on West Beach in Nome, Alaska. Florence is described as an indigenous American female with black hair and black eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 2 inches tall and weighed around 140 pounds when she went missing. Florence has no tattoos or scars and it is unknown what she was last wearing. Anyone with information is asked to call the Nome Police Department at 907-443-5262. Case number 20-010. 717. Last, we have Manuel Michael Anthony Ruiz, who was only 14 years old when he was last seen on December 21, 2013 in the area of North 16th Avenue and West Glendale Avenue in Phoenix, Arizona. Manuel is described as a biracial Hispanic indigenous American male with black hair and brown eyes. He was approximately 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed around 120 pounds when he went missing. Manuel has a scar on the back of his right hand. Anyone with information is asked to call the Phoenix Police Department Missing Persons Unit at 602-543-2121. Case number 2013-0225531. All right. Thanks, Megan. Well, that was the official end of our first first episode of season uh, season, season two. two. Yes. Good. Good start. Yes. Good start. So before you know, before we go, just remember what what's our saying? I've, oh man, I already forgot it. 
Remember what the world needs now yeah, is love, not hate. Also, before we go, I forgot to tell you earlier, you know, I've been saying we need a name for our people. Yes. Our followers. What about, because our motto is loud, bold, and out there, loud about the crimes of human trafficking, bold in our actions against it, and out there with our awareness and fashion. What about having a loud, bold, and out there, like, brigade of people like a brigade is a group of like army people lbo brigade we're like they i don't know like i feel like the they are our army brigade of people <laughs> like i don't know i need a yeah, way I of like saying that. something it's like, like LBOs. that loud bold out there's LBOs. lbo L, lbot wouldn't it be lbot Loud, bold, out there, Lbot. Oh, is our that- Lbot brigade? <laughs> <laughs> we'll vote on it. Let us know what you guys think. We're still working on it. It's yeah. in the works. We'll, yeah. we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. But until then, be good. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. The Power Project Collectives wants you to step into your purpose, own your gifts, and take action. This amazing organization is filled with drive, mission, and determination to end human trafficking. Shop the Power Project Collective where you can support socially responsible female business owners working to end human trafficking through transitional employment, mentorship, scholarship funds, and more. Last Word is proud to be a part of the Power Project Collective and to share these amazing gifts and talents of so many. Check them out at thepowerproject.com and help make a difference in a survivor's life.